Hello and welcome to the Renovation Church Podcast, where our vision is to help people know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and change the world. My name is Mason Smith, and I'm the creative director here at Renovation Church. We are so thankful that you're joining this podcast today. We hope that today's message inspires you and draws you closer in a relationship with Jesus Christ. Now, enjoy the message. Hey, good morning. Welcome back to Renovation Church at Home. We are in part three of a message series called It's Personal. And if you're joining us for the first time, I'm doing this series because I think there are some things that are going on in the world that are a big deal to people and they're a big deal to God, but they haven't really been a big deal to the church. Because if we don't see something or experience something for ourselves, we tend to not really be motivated to do anything about it. So far in the series, we talked about racism. We talked about caring for orphans and widows. And today we will finish with topic number three, addressing the problem of poverty in our world. But with these three topics, they should be personal because if there are people in the world that are hurting, we should be hurting with them. We read this, this verse on week one, but I, I think it's certainly worth reading again this morning. It's something that Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 26. Paul said, if one part suffers, all the parts suffer with it. Then if one part is honored, then all the parts are glad. But unfortunately, we rarely suffer with people who suffer. Think about it. When is the last time that you really suffered, that you had this this physical and, and emotional and mental turmoil because of what someone somewhere else in the world was going through? Now, we might suffer if it's someone that we know or someone that we care about or even someone that we work with. But if we don't know the person who is suffering or if we just don't choose to acknowledge a global problem like poverty that's happening, what we're talking about today, we aren't suffering with those who are suffering. We honestly aren't even thinking about them. The fact that a child is going to go to bed tonight without food for the third day in a row, it just doesn't really move us. In fact, to go even further with that thought, not only do we not suffer, but we don't even think about it, talk about it, or even lose a minute of sleep about it. I chose this topic of poverty as the third topic for this series because like racism and like caring for orphans and widows, the church has to acknowledge that there is a problem with poverty in this world and in our nation. And the church is supposed to be on the front line of the battlefield fighting against this problem. And since the church isn't a building, it's a people, that means that you are supposed to be on the front lines of this battlefield doing something about it. Going off of last week, this is not an area where you can say, well, I'm just not called to do that, which is the Christian way of saying, well, I don't really care about that. I don't have a desire to do anything there that just doesn't really pull on my heartstrings very much. But what I want to try to do today is I want to show you why serving the poor is one of the greatest things that you can do for the kingdom of God. I'm going to challenge you to look at poverty as a personal problem that deserves your attention. 
Poverty is one of the main topics in the Bible. The Bible contains hundreds of verses just about poverty and about those who are poor. In fact, there are some who believe that there are upwards of 2,000 verses in the Bible just talking about those who are poor. Now, don't worry, we're not going to do all 2,000 verses today. We're going to do about 1,000 today just for time's sake to honor your time here for church at home. See, knowing that, knowing that there's so much of the Bible that talks about this, you would have to agree that this is, or this rather should be, one of the main areas of concern and attention for the church and for the Christian. Now, I want to start this morning with, with a couple of verses that just show you the seriousness of what I'm talking about today. The first is 1 John chapter 3, starting in verse 17. John writes, If someone has enough money to live well, and sees a brother or sister in need but shows no compassion, then how can God's love be in that person? Dear children, let's not merely say that we love each other. Let us show the truth by our actions. In other words, here's what we aren't going to do. We aren't going to say that we love people, but then never serve people. John says, let us show the truth and let us show our love by our actions, by what we do for others. For too long, we've always said someone needs to do something. And it's time to put action to our words. I, and I know that most of us want to do something, but, but we just don't know what to do. When you see that picture of that child that's hurting somewhere in the world, you, you know that you want to help, but you don't know how. You don't know what you can do. And that's what I want to try to do today. I want to set a foundation on what poverty is and what the response of the church should be about it. So, but let's start with a foundational question. Because if we can't answer this, then we can't come up with a solution. The first question is, and the main question, is what is poverty? What is poverty? That sounds like a relatively simple question, but the answer changes depending on who is answering it. Because the obvious answer is, well, poverty is when someone is poor. Poverty is when someone doesn't have their basic needs that have been met. But everyone has different ideas about what it means considered to be poor. Uh, just for fun, this week I looked up the hashtag I'm so poor on Twitter. And here's what some people were saying that apparently makes them so poor. Um, this person said, I really want my next hand tattoo soon. Hashtag, I'm so poor. You know you're poor when you can't get that next hand tat. Next person said, just got back from my Disney cruise with my entire fam. Hashtag, I'm so poor. Really sounds like it. The next one is an oldie, but it's a goodie. Hashtag, I'm so poor that I have to rub cologne for magazines on my shirt. Um, I'm not saying that I haven't done this before in my life. Next one, really quickly. Uh, this person said, I'm going to have to find a coffin that I can make monthly payments on because I'm so poor. Uh, this person said, I can't afford a new car. I can't even afford a Hot Wheels car. Hashtag, I'm so poor. And then this last one is my favorite. This one said, my friend's families all went to Hawaii and we had to go to Destin. <laughs> Hashtag, I'm so poor. Man, suffering all the way down in Destin. That's tough. But everybody has their different ideas about what it means to be poor or to be living 
than poverty. The reality is that it's really hard to define what it means to be poor. If you make $30,000 a year, you might feel like poor is making $10,000 a year. If you make $100,000 a year, you might think that the person who makes $30,000 a year is poor. If you make a million dollars a year, you might think that the person who only makes $100,000 a year is poor. It's really hard to define what poverty is. But the good news is our government defines it for us. The United States government has defined it like this. They, they, they define poverty in this way. They came up with a U.S. poverty threshold. And they said that a one-person household that is living in poverty would be the person that only makes $12,488 per year. A two-person household would be $15,877 per year. A three-person household would be $19,550 per year. And it just goes on like that. They say you take the number of people living in your house, and then you add a number to that, and that's what puts you at the poverty line. And some of you just heard that, and you thought, well, I thought I was doing okay, but apparently I'm living in poverty, and I didn't even know it. Welcome to Church at Home. In the state of Missouri, where our church is located, research says that 18.6% of our state is living below the poverty level. So do you have to be living on the street begging for your next meal to be considered living in poverty? Do you have to live in Africa making less than a dollar a day to be considered living in poverty? The reason we have a hard time defining poverty is because for most of us, we would define poverty as a lack of material possessions. But if you were to go anywhere else in the world where people are truly living in poverty, you'd find that they don't care about getting the newest iPhone or name brand jeans or, or a bigger, nicer house. We define poverty as a lack of possessions, but those who are living in poverty would define it as a lack of hope. It's, it's feelings of having nothing and feeling like your life is worth nothing at all. It's living in an environment and culture where there is little chance of escape. It's the belief that my life does not have value based on my social standing. And our job as Christians and as a church is to help people understand that they do matter, that they do have value, and that their life does have meaning and purpose. But here's where we have to be careful. A lot of times we let our assumptions get in the way of our obedience. A lot of times we let our assumptions get in the way of our obedience. The reality is God told us to care for the poor, but what we tend to do is we tend to evaluate why they are poor before we agree to help. We'll look at someone and we'll, we'll sort of diagnose them and we'll say things like, well, they could get a job, they just don't want to. Or, or we'll say, well, they made some bad decisions that led to where they are in life. So what they're going through is just a consequence of decisions that they've made. Or we say, well, they're just content living off of the government. They have no drive or desire to do anything in life at all. We tend to evaluate why they are where they are before just saying, God told us to help, so I'm going to help. And while granted, sometimes those things might be true, they aren't helpful, especially to that person are there people who take advantage of a system? Yes, absolutely there are. But I'm not talking about people who are lazy and just don't want to work. What I'm talking about is not enabling those who don't want to do better and are just happy to let other people do for them. That's not what I'm talking about today. 
I'm talking about loving people and serving people and ministering to people who are stuck in a cycle of situational poverty, either for a season because of losing a husband or, 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 or a job or a, or, or a wife or, or something like that, or the person who lives in a third world country who doesn't really have any hope of ever being able to leave. Um, as I said last week, we go to uh, Haiti frequently, and it's common down in Haiti to see a guy mixing concrete on the street when it's 105 degrees. And the reality is he might work 12 to 15 hours all day long, but go home and still not have made enough to even feed his family that night. He probably works harder and longer than we can possibly imagine, yet he is still stuck in poverty I'm talking about the guy who gets injured while serving in the army and he comes back and he can't find a job or he gets on disability that doesn't even provide for the most basic of his needs. It's those who are living in poverty, not by choice, but by circumstance. You'd never blame an abuse victim for their own abuse, but we tend to blame poor people a lot of times for their own poverty. A lot of churches and Christians are just extremely callous on this topic. But like those dealing with racism and, and the orphan and widow, this topic of poverty is very sensitive and it's very, very real. I think there are four important things to consider when we seek to help make a difference in the lives of people that are suffering from living in poverty. And the first is this. You should help in the way they need it, not in the way you want to give it. You should help in the way they need it not just in the way that you want to give it. In, in other words, don't just help in the way that's easiest for you to help. Help someone in a way that truly helps their situation. James talks about this and says in James chapter 2, starting in verse 14, he says, What good is it, dear brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith, but you don't show it by their actions? Can that kind of faith save anyone? Suppose you see a brother or sister who has no food or clothing and you say, goodbye, have a good day, stay warm and eat well, but you don't give that person any food or clothing. What good does that do? What he's saying is meet the needs of others, but meet the needs that they, in the way that they need to be met. You wouldn't see someone who was starving in the desert and be like, well, I know you're starving, but I have this beautiful new coat that is worth $200. I want to give this to you. That's giving, but it's not giving in a way that actually helps. It's not beneficial at all. When you give, give to meet a specific need and, and give the best that you can. Jesus said it's more blessed to give than to receive. So if there really is a blessing in giving, which there is, then we want to give our best. We, we don't want to just give someone leftovers. We want to give them the first. We want to give them the best that we possibly can. It's like our tithe. When we give our tithe back to God, we want to give him what's called the first fruits, meaning we don't want to say, well, we're going to get to the end of the month, and then God, we're going to give you the little bit leftover that we might have if we didn't spend it all on shopping or Taco Bell. When we talk about giving God our first fruits, we're saying, man, when I get paid, the first thing I do before I pay the bill is I pay God. I give that back to God because everything I have is God's anyway. So really, I'm not giving to God. I'm just returning 10% of what God gave to me. Give the best that you can. Give the first fruits to God, but also give it to people who truly need help. 
If your mentality is, well, they should just be thankful because what I'm giving this is better than nothing, then you need to check your heart and you need to check your motivation for why you're giving. If you feel good about giving expired canned goods to the food pantry because people should just be grateful for what they have, then you're not giving in a way that truly helps and you are not a candidate for receiving the blessing that comes with the giving. But going back to what we talked about earlier, normally before we help the poor, which God said to do, we evaluate if they really need it or what they'll do with it. Don't judge a person based on a story you have never heard or walked. I call that the sin of assumption. It's sinfully judging someone by assuming that you know what a person does or does not need based on what you have observed about them, not what you have actually learned about them. For example, that mom that is in front of you at the grocery store that is using food stamps to feed her six kids and just seems completely overwhelmed, you think to yourself, well, if you would just stop having kids and get a job, then maybe you wouldn't need to be on food stamps. But what you might not know is that her husband abandoned her or her husband passed away or that they lost their jobs. And they are not in this because they're lazy. They're in this because of a circumstance that was outside of their control. But you are using the sin of assumption by judging someone based on what you think you might know about them based on what you have observed. Or another common situation is that homeless guy that is standing on the side of the street corner and is asking for money. And your first thought is, well, he's probably just going to use that to buy drugs or alcohol. He could use this time to go flip burgers and and get paid. What you might not know is that he served in the war and is suffering from PTSD and he can't hold down a job because of his service to this country. You are called to give. You deal with your heart. Let God deal with the person's heart to whom you give to. Help in a way that they need it. Don't just help in a way that you want to give it. The second thing is you don't have to have a lot to give a lot. You don't actually have to have a lot to give a lot. Most people want to be giving, but either they don't know where to give or, or they feel like they just can't give because they don't have a lot to give. But money is not what makes a person generous. Some of the most generous people in the entire world are people with the least amount of money and material possessions. And it's unfortunate today that the more a person makes financially, the less they're likely to be generous. That's a statistical fact. In fact, going back to tithing, for families that make over $75,000 a year, only 1% of those families give a 10% tithe. People making $20,000 a year are eight times more likely to give than someone making an annual income of $75,000 a year. Eight times more likely. The reason... The reason that was given is that people with lower income are generally more in tune to recognize other people's needs. That's not always the case. That is not always the case. But statistically, it is true in most cases that it doesn't take a lot of money to be generous. When Peter was walking to the temple in Acts chapter 3, he came across a man who was sitting at the gate who was begging for money. And here's what Peter said to him. In Acts chapter 3, verse 6, he said, Well, I don't have any silver or gold for you, but I will give you what I do have. In the name of Jesus Christ the Nazarene, get up and walk. 
sometimes what people think they want isn't really what they need. You might not be able to be generous with money, but you could always be generous with hope. You can always be generous with encouragement. You can always be generous with the message of Jesus. You carry the light of the world within you. What could be more generous than sharing that? You help people in the way they need it, not in the way you want to give it. You don't have to have a lot to give a lot. Third, you can't act like Jesus without serving like Jesus. That's just a fact. You cannot act like Jesus unless you are willing to serve like Jesus. Everything about Jesus was great. Everything about him was great. But one of the greatest things about him was this amazing willingness to serve others before himself. Jesus set the example for what it means to live a generous life. He he didn't just tell other people to, to serve others. His very life modeled this concept. It was the very reason why he came. Here's what it says in Matthew chapter 20, starting in verse 25. It says, But Jesus called them together and said, You know that the rulers of this world lord it over their people, and officials flaunt their authority over those under them. But among you it will be different, because whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first among you must become your slave. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and give his life as a ransom for many. Look to serve others before you serve yourself. That's what a leader does. That's what Jesus did. And that takes being intentionally generous, not just accidentally generous or spontaneously generous. Look for opportunities to serve others Make, make a budget line item for generosity, money that you set aside just to be able to give away every month to help other people. Be generous with your time. There are so many ways that you can go out and serve people. The best way to act like Jesus is just to serve people like Jesus served people. So number one, help others in the way they need it, not in the way you want to give it. Number two, you don't have to have a lot to give a lot. And then number three, you can't act like Jesus without serving like Jesus. And finally, here's number four. Remember that you were poor and God gave to you. You were poor and God gave to you. Now, you you might say, well, hold on, wait a minute. I, I mean, I've had some hard times, but I don't know that I've ever really been considered poor. I don't know that I've ever really lived in in poverty. You may have never experienced physical poverty, but every single one of us has experienced spiritual poverty because all of us are sinners and all of us, every single person is in need of God's generous grace. Paul tells us that in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9, he says, you know the generous grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, so that by his poverty he could make you rich. We don't give to people because we have some duty or or obligation to give to them. That should not be our motivation for giving. Because giving to someone, that's not going to save you. That, that would just be a works-based salvation. But we are saved by grace through faith in Jesus. We are not saved by our works. We are saved because of the work of Jesus on the cross. 
Maybe today you are still living in spiritual poverty. Maybe you do not feel like things are ever going to get better for you. You just, you, you feel like you are stuck in this cycle that you're never going to get out of. Maybe you feel trapped in your sin and you just feel completely worthless and hopeless. And the thought of, you might be able to watch church online, but the thought of even going to church at church is something you don't ever think you could do because you're like, man, if you know me, if you know what, what I've done, then you wouldn't want me there. But that is quite literally the message of the gospel is that while we were still sinners, that's when Jesus Christ came for us. So today, take the generous grace of God that is available to you in the form of Jesus. Today, right now, wherever you are, whether you're watching this live or later in the week or listening to this in your car via a podcast, right now, whoever you are, wherever you are, you can say, Jesus, I... I'm living in spiritual poverty. I I don't have any hope. There's nothing I could do to rescue myself. There's never gonna be enough good things that I can do to earn my way into heaven. So Jesus, I need you. Jesus, today I need you to come into my life and I need you to save me and forgive me. And I need you to change me. Today, God, I need your generous grace in my life. And if that's something that you prayed today, then right now at this moment, the Bible says that a miracle can happen in your life, that you can be made new. Your old self can be put to death and you can be raised to new life in Jesus Christ. If that's you, man, we want to celebrate with you. Let me take an opportunity to pray for you before we close out today. God, thank you for your generous grace. Lord, you didn't have to send Jesus to this world to live a perfect life and to die a gruesome death on the cross, but you did because that's how much you loved us. You weren't just willing to leave us in spiritual poverty, but you made a way so that we can be reconciled back to you. So Father, I pray, Lord, that that would that would change me from the inside out. God, I, I don't want to just experience that and just keep it all for myself. But God, I want that to motivate me to go out and to find and to serve others who are living both in spiritual and physical poverty because those are the people you care about. Those are the people that your son Jesus gave his life for. So God, help me, help our church. God, help, help the global church to recognize that this is something that has to be personal to us. Whether we have ever missed a meal or not, God, this is something that you were calling us, that you were commanding us and compelling us to do. So Father, may we go out and may we take your words seriously and change the world. Father, thank you for the example that you set for us. We love you and we praise you. It's in Jesus' name we pray and all God's people said. Thank you for listening to the Renovation Church Podcast. If you'd like to support Renovation and our ministries, then head over to renovatethecity.com slash give. It's because of your faithful and consistent generosity that we're able to continue ministries like this all across the world. If you'd like to learn more about Renovation and our ministries, then head over to renovatethecity.com. 
If you enjoyed today's message, that we'd encourage you to share it with family and friends. Thank you again for joining us and God bless.